I felt like I could just read that song to you again, verse by verse, uh, as the homily tonight. What a beautiful picture of not only the incarnation, but the gospel itself and the promise of what is to come. Tonight's homily is going to be short by New Hope standards, uh, which should make parents of little ones happy, but it is short by design uh, with the hope that uh, the words you hear will be something that you take home and, and reflect upon tonight and also tomorrow morning when you wake as well. Uh, last night, our youth and, and parents met for our scheduled family ministry meeting and one of the main points of the devotional was actually on the fact that creation, and by creation I mean nature, uh, the fact that life exists, everything that exists within the universe that has been made by God, all, all of these things point to the existence of a creator. And what I mean by that is that there's an obvious design to even the most simple forms of life. Order never comes from chaos because order flows from design and physical laws and we see this in what God has made. Now, if they're honest, people reject the idea of a creator not on the basis of, uh, of the fact there is actually a lack of evidence, no matter what they may claim, but on the basis of their unwillingness to submit themselves to the expectations of the creator. But the Bible begins with a clear and emphatic statement in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God did this. He, he doesn't leave it up to us to figure out. He says it plainly. In verse 3, we, we, we see how it all began. It says, and God said, let there be light before creating the sun, the planets, the stars, even the earth. God speaks and light destroys the darkness. Then over the course of six days, God creates everything, including Adam and Eve. If you know the book of Genesis, you know that unfortunately, following creation, things go bad pretty quickly. Only two chapters later, in, in Genesis chapter 3, we find a new form of darkness entering the world. Adam and Eve's sin brought God's judgment, but also the promise of a coming Redeemer and a coming reconciliation through, through one who would remove the curse of sin. If you read the, the rest of the, the Old Testament, we, we, we see the effects of sin's darkness on the world and we see God's faithfulness to his promises and, and the ongoing promise of a Savior that is still yet to come. And although the spiritual darkness was strong, God's grace and power were stronger. Let's fast forward to the Gospels, the, the first four books in the New Testament. Until the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah and to Mary and to Joseph, announcing the coming birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, God had been silent for 400 years. 
400 years without a prophet coming to speak on behalf of God. 400 years without a a vision to the people. Had God forgotten his people? Were his promises in vain? At this time, the, the, the spiritual darkness was great. But God was about to do something greater. As you've already heard from the readings tonight, those 400 years of silence were ended through several visits of angels, messengers from God, announcing that God was doing something amazing. Just as God spoke light into existence at creation, banishing physical darkness, he was about to send another, more powerful light into the world in the form of his son, Jesus whose birth we celebrate tonight and tomorrow. For our Christmas meditation tonight, I want to direct our attention to the words the angel spoke to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. Listen again to Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, friends, in in verses 10 and 11, there are several things that we could focus on tonight, but I want to draw your attention to three little words, for unto you. Now, we know that the important phrases are the ones that follow. This is why we can celebrate, right? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The, the, ones who, the one whose birth the angels sing is no normal baby. He is the Son of God. But those three little words at the beginning of verse 11 were life-changing for the shepherds just as they are for you and for I. The, the birth of Jesus marked the beginning of God engaging the world in human form. It was a way in which he had never engaged the world before. He was born for us. Now, you may know this, but some may not. In ancient times, shepherds were considered outcasts in society. While, while they performed a vital role within the Jewish culture, they, they were looked down upon by almost everyone else. Yet here the angel announces that the Savior who was born was born unto them or for them. This is a beautiful reminder that the Savior who was born in Bethlehem came to die in order to save outcasts. For unto you, unto us, A Savior has been born. All of mankind is guilty of sin before God. We we deserve to to be outcasts. We deserve to, to not be able to enter into his presence. But the humble 
those who turn to him in faith and dependence receive his mercy. Unto us a Savior has been born. I I wonder if you've ever stopped to to consider those three words as you've heard this passage read over and over again. Unto you, unto us, a Savior has been born. There's, there, there's something very personal in that, is it not? Now, in, in his powerful Christmas sermon entitled, The Far Off Near, The Near Far Off, Charles Spurgeon points out that Jesus' arrival on earth brings one of two responses from every person who ever he- has heard the gospel story. Response one is is that the hearer recognizes his lowly position before God as as being guilty of sin and, and turns to Jesus in faith. So the one that recognizes that he is far from God is brought near to God through faith in Christ. The the second response is to reject the Lord in pride and unbelief. The the unbeliever with his high view of himself sees himself as near to God or or on the level with God when in fact he is far from God and an object of God's wrath. Very, Very much like the Pharisees of old, pride blinds the unbeliever from seeing the light that is our Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, every person is far from God until our eyes are open to the true light of the glory of God revealed in Jesus, our Lord. We, too, were once blinded by the darkness of our own sin until our eyes were opened to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Listen to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light, and he is our life, dear ones. We, we celebrate Christmas because Jesus came unto us that our sins could be forgiven and we could be restored to God. The, the scene at the manger that we reflect upon tonight is even more beautiful when we view it from the perspective of the cross because unto us a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Let that sink in tonight, dear Christian. Also, let let us not forget that Jesus humbled himself in this becoming flesh for us. There there was humility in in the form in which he arrived. He he came as a helpless baby, baby, but but even more so, his leap was humility in the form of of what he left. He left the glories of heaven. He, He left the perfect fellowship with the Father and the Spirit in order to live on earth. This is a step down, brothers and sisters. To, to live among sinful people as one without sin also reflected his humility 
and of course his death at the hands of wicked men and the shame he endured among the most scandalous ways uh, he, he is are, are among the most scandalous ways that he humbled himself for us but brothers and sisters these things too are unto us unto us a savior is born unto us a child is given who is Christ the Lord. Now it would be shameful for me to not go, to go any further without first appealing to anyone here in the room who is yet to respond by faith to the gospel. Tomorrow's celebration is not about the gifts that we give and receive. Ultimately tomorrow is a celebration of God acting in human history Revealing his plan to redeem those who were far off. And that is all of us until we responded in faith to the gospel. But forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation to God is something that God offers to all people. The, the response to the gospel is one of faith. We, we depend on what Jesus has done in order for our sins to be forgiven and for us to be restored to God. It is a gift. And like any gift, it must be received. And so I appeal, appeal to you tonight, if you have yet to respond in faith to what Christ has done, let this Christmas be the most important Christmas of your life. Let this Christmas be the, the, the Christmas that you responded to the gift of salvation that Jesus offers. Tomorrow we will wake and we will give gifts to one another and, and there is nothing wrong with that, especially when we do it in celebration of, of the greater gift that we have received through Christ our Lord. But friends, may, may I urge you to do one more thing tomorrow morning. Parents, when your children wake you up way too early because they are excited and just can't sleep anymore, even if you don't have children, before you do anything else, take a little time as a family or individually to give thanks to the Lord who was born unto us and that he died for us. He is our Savior and our Lord, brothers and sisters. He is the light of the world. And we must be thankful. Let us pray. Lord, it is with a great sense of gratitude that we gather tonight. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that, that you humbled yourself even to the point of, of becoming a, a, a child in order to live the life that we could not live our lives, which are marked by sin and failure, while yours was marked by perfection, completely fulfilling the Father's will in all that you did, in order to, to humble yourself even, even more deeply by, by giving your life on the cross, bearing the wrath of God for our sins that we could be forgiven. And so we praise you this night. We thank you this night. And we do so tomorrow as well and every day because we recognize that apart from what Jesus has done for us, we have no hope. But in Christ, we have full assurance that we belong to God forever and we praise you for that in Jesus' name.
Amen.